Betting Preview Podcast from Pregame.com. Pregame.com. Broadcasting straight from the Las Vegas Strip. Vegas, baby. With your host, R.J. Bell. I saw him on ESPN. Can I call Marco Daddy? VR seems wild. It's Super Bowl 45. We've got two Pittsburgh guys, and we're in the new pregame TV studios. I'm excited, Marco. I'm a little leery about this game. As a Steeler guy, I would have loved to have played any other team in the NFC. This is the one team that scares me, and the reason is simple. Pittsburgh is not elite against elite passers. Their defense is above average or so against elite passers. Against every other type of team, we dominate. That scares me a little bit. What's, your, what's some of your thoughts on this game? Well, clearly as a Pittsburgh fan, I would have rather seen us facing the Bears and Jay Cutler, though, for sure. Especially if Jay Cutler was limping around. I mean, for sure. I, you know, I'd still take a healthy Jay Cutler <laughs> versus uh, an Aaron Rodgers. But Aaron Rodgers, no question, he's had a great playoffs. Uh, you know, he's, they've done it the hard way, all three games on the road, against Philadelphia, Atlanta, Chicago. He's going to present problems for the Steelers. But... I think, and we talked about it before, we've got, you've got Dom Capers for Green Bay. We've got Dick LeBeau. Dick LeBeau is the, the father of the zone blitz. Dom Capers worked with Dick LeBeau in Pittsburgh. And really, I don't know if you know it or not, if you've talked about it on any of your radio shows, do you know that there's nine different coaches on the Green Bay staff that have ties to Pittsburgh? You know, ESPN.com has been doing that kind of stuff. I didn't know that number, though. And uh, so they're definitely, you talk about motivation, you know, uh, for Green Bay. But I think Pittsburgh will be able to neutralize Aaron Rodgers. He's going to get his yards, but let's face it, everybody looks at the success that the New England Patriots have had over the years against the Steelers. With, with heavy pass and quick, heavy, quick passing with lots of passes. Lots of passes, and they spread the field. So that, you know, you try to minimize, you know, the damage that a Troy Palomalo can do. You know, you and I ta- that's one of your, I, I, you just hit a key point. Steelers against a really good wide receiver, I'm not so afraid of, because Ike Taylor is really a, a good cover corner. Uh, once you get to that second, third, and fourth cover, guys, uh, and Troy being not necessarily a pure cover guy, that's where I get worried. So, Pittsburgh, two weeks to prepare with LeBeau. I, I like that. So, we got LeBeau capers. We got the, the teacher versus the student to some degree. And in general, I think it's hard to know. You know, the, the gut feeling, the eighth grade kind of gut mm-hmm. feeling is, oh, the teacher knows more. But, you know, I, I think historically that hasn't always been the case that the teacher has dominated. So I, I don't think there's any real edge there. Well, obviously, the, the best example that anybody can give is Parcells and Belichick when you talk about mentor and student. And clearly Belichick, uh, you know, has outweighed Parcells in what he's been able to do at New England. This is going to be a game that, you know, you've talked about it before. Everybody's talked about it. But it's something that cannot be ignored in this game. Experience. Pittsburgh Steelers, this will be their third Super Bowl in six years. Think about that. You look at the NFC, and this is the 10th different team to be in the Super Bowl in the, la- in the last 10 years. And the Steelers have been here three times in So six there's two years. ways that experience can go. One, and I think it's the case in this case, is an advantage in that, they, that the Super Bowl was a different animal, and the Steelers understand it, the Packers, it's the first time. 
the way it can go as a disadvantage is a sense of complacency, not being hungry. I think the Patriots in that 16-0 and season probably fell into that category. I get a sense that Pittsburgh looks at themselves as not lucky to be here, but they had to overcome a lot of adversity to be here. Big Ben suspension, the offensive line problems. I can't imagine they're going to take this game for granted, especially considering they're an underdog in this game. Well, there's one guy that's not going to take it for granted, and and that's Ben Roethlisberger. And, you know, Ben, you, you can't look at this Pittsburgh season and not look at Ben and be the focus. I mean, because, as you said, nobody even gave the Steelers a shot to be here. I know you predicted them, uh, you know. 22 to 1 on ESPN, baby. There First you take. go. And ironically enough, my prediction at the beginning of the season Are was Green Bay. Are you trying to steal my thunder? No, I, I was Green Bay. Green Bay was like 4 to 1. No, they were 10 to 1. <laughs> but it was a situation, I mean, because coming in from the preseason, Green Bay looked tremendous. But Green Bay had their own share of injuries during the season. Fair enough. So, so let's do this. And I'm not trying to take away from your bat in the chalk or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> but, but no, all joking aside, here's the thing. ESPN's breaking this game down on ad nauseum. Here's my question to you, and then let's talk about the batting side of things, because mm-hmm. we're not going to do better than John Clayton breaking these games down, and that's not what we do best. Will Green Bay, in your opinion, Try what I've been reading lately is their coach believes you got to get 30 runs in no matter what. So there's really two ways this game could be played. Green Bay tries to run even though it's borderline futile. They run 30 times for 65 yards or some variation of that. Or number two, they say we can't run. We're going to pass every down and spread them out a la New England. To me, my first, I, I think there's pros and cons of both sides for the Pittsburgh side. What's your gut feeling on how this game is going to be played? I think Green Bay knows they can't win this game on the ground. No matter what, you can talk all the good talk that you can talk. Nobody has shown they can do that against the Steelers. And it's not like Green Bay. And they're Bay, not even that good at it. That is, that's the point I was just I mean, like say. the Jets or a team of pride themselves are running, and they gave up. Right. So they're going to spread the field, they're going to throw the ball, and you've got the quarterback that can do that. So if that is the case, I think that's negative for Pittsburgh, though it does open up one possibility, which is if you aren't max protecting, Pittsburgh's got some of the best pass rushing linebackers in the, in the world, great chance to get shots in on Rodgers. And let's be honest, the guy hasn't proven himself. He's either susceptible to concussions mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call it, but he's not Big Ben. You put a couple of licks on him, and it affects his game. Well, it happened in the Chicago game. He was not the same quarterback in the second half after he took that shot in the first half. And I'm not going to say the Steelers are going to take a dirty shot, but the Steelers will let him know that he is in a football game. Anytime they Plus, can get... if you get suspended the next game, it's the preseason. <laughs> Who cares? But, yeah, well, actually, the suspensions don't count in the preseason. It will well, carry okay. over. But still, they're going to let him know that he's in a game. He's, his uniform is going to be dirty. If they do go that way, I, I think that we have that potential. But I also think it, if I was a Packers batter, I would want them to throw more, just roll the dice with those hits. Because if they do insist on running, I think it's quite simply Pittsburgh will stay in their base defense. And it's not like Pittsburgh's going to have to crowd the You know, that's what you do. Oh, you get ready for the play action. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, Pittsburgh's going to stay in base anyway. Mm-hmm. So the play action won't affect them all that much. To me, I hope they do that if they try to run because I think it's going to take one of their strengths away and play into one of the Steelers' weaknesses. Though I've really heard from sharp guys that McCarthy will not abandon the run in any circumstance. He doesn't believe in it, which kind of is a good thing. All right, let's talk about the line in this game. When it came out two or so, Green Bay, what was your thoughts? 
I thought that's exactly where it was going to be. The Green Bay was going to be the mild favorite, even though they're the wild card team playing a number two seed. It's just it's public perception. People are looking at the game the way Green Bay's winning. And if you look at Pittsburgh, even though Pittsburgh won both of their games, both of the Steeler games came down to the final possession. Against Baltimore, they had to stop Baltimore in the final possession. And against the Jets, the Steelers had to extend that final drive to keep but the ball it, out it of went, It went to the final possession in Chicago Green Bay and Philly Green Bay. But Green Bay... I think it's that Atlanta game. Is, is that Atlanta game is what's been the, the statement game, as you call it, for the Aaron Rodgers fan club. Both games, the Atlanta game and the Philly game... Green Bay, just like Pittsburgh did against the Jets, Green Bay had the lead early and was in control of that whole game, and then it got close at the end. But the Chicago game, last that game, really Chicago had no shot in the game. I know they it got down the thirty yard line with the ball. I, I know. I it just I, I if watching the game and with I had a, Chicago with a backup quarterback. I haven't heard this conversation, which is <laughs> my God, they hardly won the game with a backup quarterback for the whole second half. I had Chicago and never felt comfortable in that game. No, I, I tend to agree with you there, too. So, But I, I wouldn't have felt very comfortable with the Jets either, as much as they had a chance. But I, okay, so I would tend to agree with you that this line should probably be pick or one, and it's two and a half, so there's a little value, though it's kind of hard to think that it's worth betting because of that. I'm actually going to officially project Pittsburgh to win this game 24-20. All that said, I, you know, I look at this line as being about right, and I'm probably not going to bet the side. I, don't, I think there's a ton of value in props. Now, I was listening to Jay Cornergay, the Hilton Sportsbook Director. He said this is a rare game where the wise guys are actually on both sides mm-hmm. it, with a little bit more wise guy action on Pittsburgh. He says he expects the public action to be on Green Bay but he doesn't expect the line to move to three. Now, there's some threes out there, but you always got to look at that juice. Right. And if the juice is going to be, you know, you're laying 125 or 130 to take three, it's really not like you have three because three's worth about 25 cents. So you could either lay two and a half at minus 110 or lay three at plus 115, and it would be an equal lay. So I don't expect the line to move. I agree with you 100%. They're not, it's too key of a number, and everybody remembers Black Sunday Super Bowl with the Steelers. They're some not, of us, you know, some people weren't born. Yeah, well, you, can, you can ask you any Was that your 30th birthday yeah, when the Steelers You can ask any sports book operator. They still remember it. Trust me. <laughs> they'll, never, they'll never forget you br- that. Thing. You bring that old school perspective to the table. That's what I'm here I mean, for. The new studio doesn't change that. Well, you know, I am what I am, Sam, I am. <laughs> I, I also think, last point, and then I'll let you close, is I think it's interesting that at halftime of the Steeler game, when they were blown out the Jets and, and Green Bay was already in the Super Bowl, the line came out at Pinnacle at Pickham. Mm-hmm. So really, the Steelers' second-half performance adjusted that line by two points, which really shows you how short-term the public is thinking, which is an advantage for the bo- for the better typically. But since both teams are marquee here, it's not like you can just fade the, 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 the marquee team and gain value. You're really not getting that this year. If Pittsburgh had played Atlanta or something, you could have played Atlanta and gotten value. But I don't think the old standbys in the Super Bowl of fading the public team works here because they're both public. I'll say one thing about the second half, and I was there in the frigid cold in Pittsburgh. People are reacting to that second half. My thing is I really do believe that Pittsburgh – shut it, almost shut it down. You, I sensed it in the crowd that when they went in halftime and we were yeah. up 21. 
it, it, people shut it down. And the biggest play of that game was the field goal before the end of the half. Because the thing is, once the shutout was gone, and this is a thing in football. The biggest play in the game was when they intercepted the pass. Hear me for a second. A defense, when they're tossing a shutout, it doesn't matter if they're up 50 points. They play with the same intensity when the goose egg is still on the board. Once it's gone, there's like, okay, now we're, it's just, we've got a big lead. It's not a shutout. And I think that was the difference to let the Jets get it back into that game. All right, guys, listen. We got tons of stuff. We got props. We're going to do more videos. We got stuff in the forums. Pregame.com. Don't miss it. It's your Super Bowl betting headquarters. And we'll be back with some more videos on the Super Bowl and some college basketball for Saturday. Super Bowl 45 prop bets. Marco, you've got one you really like. On the surface, it feels sort of random, but you've got some research. Yeah, and everybody knows that you, know, you can bet on the coin toss, but we're going to go a little deeper. There's another bet where you can actually bet who is going to kick off first. So this isn't the coin toss, but who's going to actually kick off first. And being a Pittsburgh Steeler fan, and you know that too, the Steelers like to put their defense on the field first. So if the Steelers win the toss, they're going to defer to the second half. Now, have they done that every time this year? Uh, I haven't gone through all of them, but I am going from memory of watching all of the games with the Steelers, and that has been their history. I agree with that. But on Green Bay, I did go through everyone because obviously I don't watch Green Bay. Nine times this year during the regular season, Green Bay won the toss. Of those nine times, six times they wanted the football first, which makes sense. When you look at Green Bay, you look at their offense and Aaron Rodgers, they want the ball, try to get a lead. So to me, with a line on this of minus 115 for who's going to kick off first either way. So they're saying there's, it's a coin flip, no pun intended. Right. I think that there's actually history shows there's value to take that Pittsburgh will be the team kicking off first. We know what they're going to do if they win the toss. And All right, so let's think. Uh, Pittsburgh wins the toss. They have a 50% chance to win the toss. They choose to kick off. Green Bay wins the toss. You're saying at worst it feels like there's a 50-50% chance that they're going to say we want the ball. Now, you know what makes me like this even more? I feel like I, I heard this stat today, so I didn't do the research. But they said that the Arizona Cardinals two years ago against the Steelers are the only team to defer, not take the ball in Super Bowl history. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe I misread that or whatever, but I, it was from a, a place where I would think it's correct. So let's say that's correct. That means that teams, for whatever reason, are inclined to take the ball in the Super Bowl. So that means if Green Bay goes either way, they're probably going to go that way, which backs up your bat. And if Pittsburgh, they seem so set on defense first, my gut feeling is they might buck that trend and actually defer. And since you've got it at minus 115, minus 115, I think you've got some real value. That's the way I see it. And that's going to be my first prop bet for this year's Super Bowl. And we'll be able to find out if we cash that ticket right away. (laughs) You know, sometimes it's just that simple. It is. So take Pittsburgh to kick off. So you got two more prop bets coming. Two more prop bets. Okay, so you're going to do three. I'm going to do three. And remember, each of these videos you can comment on, continue the conversation with Marco and me. And next up, we're going with Marco's second prop bet. Okay, we got Marco's second prop bet coming up. Marco's doing three. What's your second prop bet? Well, there's a prop out there. Will there be a defensive or special teams touchdown scored in the Super Bowl? 
And I'm going to say yes, and we're getting $1.45 back on this wager. So uh, we put up $100. We're going to win $145 if we cash this one. And All right, so I've got to tell you, Dustin, get ready with the head-to-head on this one. <laughs> I don't like this one, so I'm gonna, I will give you a chance to explain yourself. Okay. But I may interrupt at any time. That would be just nothing, that would be nothing new to just the viewing you, audience. Just because you have a Steelers tie doesn't mean I I owe it to the audience when you do call BS when necessary. Well, we'll we'll do that. What I'm looking at, first of all, there's not a defensive team in football that is more opportunistic than the Pittsburgh Steelers when they get a turnover. And how many times you've seen Troy with an interception that ends up going the distance. I mean, You're on a first-name basis with him, huh? Well, you know, hey. Are you, do you have a little trouble with his last name? Uh, no, Troy Palomalo. You know, <laughs> no problem there. I know? can't lie. I don't when have I, his when hair. I, when I I'm can doing, say that. When I'm doing media, I, I sometimes just say Big Ben. Yeah, okay. Well, it's good. I usually, when I'm typing it, because I can't spell it, so I'll just go <laughs> Big Ben <laughs> with that one. But the Steelers, they do score. I mean, this defense, I mean, there's been several games this year where the Steeler defense actually scored more than the offense. I mean, we know that. Another part of this is special teams. We get a bonus here on this part. The Steelers, as good as they've been the last, you know, forever, one Achilles heel that always seems to, you know, pop up and rear its ugly head every once in a while is a special teams breakdown. Where now this season... They've only had one, and it was against the Jets. A kickoff for a touchdown. And then the playoff game, they did have one go that actually got called back uh, against Baltimore on a a questionable questionable holding call that was away from the play. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't the difference in the touchdown. So, I mean, we look at what we see. So it's another part of the game where we can get a score. But the third, now, how, part, the third part of this is where we can possibly have a defensive score is the Pittsburgh offensive line, it's official, Pouncey's out. Okay, so we've got Ligarski that's going to be the center. They've had to juggle offensive positions all year on that offensive line. Dom Capers is going to come with some different schemes to try to confuse the Steeler line. So he's going to give them some looks during this game that they haven't seen. If we have a breakdown on the offensive line, you do have the possibility of a clean shot on Ben, and I know that Ben is a hard guy to bring down, but, you know, there is the possibility. All right, all right, of I got this. it. Here's why I don't like this. Okay. I was listening to Jay Cornegay on a podcast, actually, with uh, Chad Millman on ESPN. Quite good. Chad's been a friend of pregame. And he talked about how there's a psychology to prop betters, that the public has a certain psychology. And what that is, is they like to get plus money back, Mm -hmm. especially in something that feels like it can happen. Um, Like a safety. Hey, you might get plus 800 on that, though statistically it's not a good bet. It feels like, hey, I've seen safeties before. And then, hey, I I bet 100 and win 800. Here's an example where every square in the country is thinking like you. Hey, I saw Troy intercept against Cincinnati. And who's to say this? Who's to say that? And I'm getting plus 145. It just feels like that maybe you're making a case right now, a valid one, that this game is more likely to have a defensive TD or special teams TD than an average game. I defer to you on that, and I agree with you on that. 
Here's the question, though. Is it able to overcome the premium that they're putting on this because they know the public wants to bet yes? And I don't think it's adjusted that much. You know, I, I can't. I You're can't on the square side here. Well, you, we'll we'll see. I I like getting. I'm I'm happy with getting 145 back. Are you? Going, I don't know are if you, it's. Are you going it, down circus circus and put this bet in with with the other people playing this? No, I'll be I'll be doing it uh, at GVR. So uh, <laughs> I'll I'll tell them. You know, I'll come in with my. You know, why don't you do this? Why don't you Why don't you announce it before you say, Hey guys. I'm betting plus on the on the defensive TD. Who's going to join me? And then you hear a big cheer go up, and the line form yeah, behind right. you. This is one you know that uh, I hope. Troy, I hope Troy say, gets. Are you starting to say you don't like it? As no, much? I'm not saying no. I'm saying you know you're going to be hearing from me on Sunday as Troy streaking down the sideline. Well, I would be happy about that. Any closing thoughts? No, nope, that's what I'm looking at on uh, prop bet number two. We're going to take the. Third. I'll I'll book you on this. You'll you want to you want to do this? You want to book it as well? You know. You know, I am free rolling with you, you know. You're right. You know, this, is, this is not a pure handicap, so I'm going to do it. So what do you want to do? You want to do, uh, I'll even give you plus 150, just to, cause, to do the math real simply. 300 wins your 450. All right. All right. You can continue the conversation in the comment section with Marco and me. And next up, we're getting Marco's third prop, and I've got a feeling that it's going to be a little bit better. For the best deals from trusted sportsbooks, visit pregameaction.com. Super Bowl 45 prop bets, and this is Marco's third best bet he's given you. Marco, I loved one of yours, didn't like the other one. Here's the tiebreaker. Give it to All me. right, let's see if we can do it. Now, we're going to actually be laying a little bit of price here. So, you know, I got chastised in the last video, so with the dog, maybe I'll get uh, a pat on the back with this one. But I think there's value here on the sacks. Green Bay, the over-under for sacks is two and a half sacks that they'll be able to sack the Steelers. I'm going to go with the yes on that and lay the 170. This is a situation, and again, you know, we talked about the offensive line problems in our last prop bet, and that's going to be part of my handicapping here. No question, without Pouncey in there, there's going to be some missed assignments. You know, they're going to do things that Green Bay is going to do some things that Pittsburgh hasn't seen them do on film to try to confuse the offensive line. And Ben's tendency to hold the ball a long time to extend plays, I know it's hard to bring him down, but, you know, again, it presents a problem that if you're holding the ball a long time, more chance to get that sack. And history has shown during the regular season Remember, Ben only played 12 games because he missed the first four. Ben was sacked 32 times this year. And given now that we don't have our all-pro center, i got to look at over two and a half sacks. And this becomes an even better bet if things aren't going good for Pittsburgh, if Green Bay is to get a lead like okay, they've yeah. So, Or it's a horrible bet if the Steelers are running out of the second half. So how does that come into the handicap? Well, Do you expect, I mean, it's... What I'm saying is, without, unless you have a strong so what I hear you saying is, if you have a strong opinion on the Packers, you like this bet more, though you don't necessarily have that. I don't necessarily have. I think, it, to me, it's bonus if things go bad for Pittsburgh. I think this is a safe bet on a normal handicap, but if the game gets one-sided, it becomes an even better bet. Here's what bothers me. You're laying 170 here, and... Typically, I understand if you move up, like, for example, this is something that everyone needs to understand this week. Three in the NFL, minus three, is worth 25 cents. So if you lay two and a half and lay 110, or you lay three and get back 115, 
which is a 25 cent difference, minus 110 plus 115, that's the same bet pretty much. Mm-hmm. All right, so you'd, you'd be neutral on that typically. I understand what a half point's worth there. I even understand what it's worth in a future bet. A half point's worth about 50 cents on a future. I understand that. How much is a half sack worth here? Like, I don't understand. Would you, what would you go over three? And I'm not saying that not understanding this prevents you from liking it. Mm-hmm. But if it was over three, would it be minus 110? Like, I don't understand what the real value is of a half a sack here when it comes to the, the, the likelihood of, of it falling two or three. And it kind of makes me not know at that 170, am I just laying too much juice? Uh, I honestly I can't give you the answer for what a, a half a sack is worth, you know, because this is, the, this is the only time yeah, that's that we what's do different it. about the props. Is it really is such a it is it, it's exciting. It's almost play, playing poker, but it's dealer's choice, right? True. So it's not hold them every time. It's you know follow the queen or whatever, and you only deal with it at those home games or in this case in the Super Bowl. I you know I tend to agree, but doesn't it seem too obvious? Because usually you're afraid of the obvious. I am afraid of the obvious when we're dealing with games where everybody's betting all the time, so the thought process is the same. I don't know if you can use that same logic and just go against the grain when we're talking about prop bets. Because we're, we're talking but about one game. But are props even more of a pop- but, but that's the thing. Any bet's just one game. Uh, if you think you have a 55% position... It's just one game, but there's a lot of one game. One hand of blackjack for Steve Wynn is just one hand, but when you add up thousands of hand, your edge prevails. I, I just wonder if it's a little... You know, the one thing I do like, I, I think the logic makes sense. I'm afraid of the lay here. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that does make sense is most people don't want to lay 170. So it kind of feels like they've jacked this thing up enough where they're, they're really deterring you from batting it, which does fall into one of you, hey, if the bookie doesn't seem like he wants it, that probably means you want it. Right. Uh, any closing thoughts? Nope. I just hope that it's not uh, Steelers way behind having to get that sack of total. You know, I've got to, um, and you're talking from the heart here. Talking from the heart there, yeah. I was on. Uh, I was on actually Fox Sports. I'm in my jacket today because I was on. Uh, actually, I'm sorry, not Fox Sports. Fox Business talking on one of their the five o'clock show, and uh, they said, "Well, what quarterback do you like?" I said, "Big Ben." They go, "That." I go, "I'm a Steeler guy." He goes, "She goes, that doesn't sound scientific." I go, "Hey," I put my finger up. I said, "Hey, I told you who I like, not who I'm bad." There you go. All right, now it's your turn to continue the conversation in the comment section with Marco and me. And next up, we're gonna go. With, i got to be honest, a little more well thought out, but we're going to have three props from yours true. Super Bowl prop bets. Marco's given his three, and now I'm given three. And Marco, first up, I'm doing a pure math play. This one is going to be pretty simple. Is I'm saying, will there be three unanswered scores from one team? And the answer is yes. And you can probably lay about 175 in most places. Now, i got to tell you, this is more about how I came to this pick than it is the pick itself. It's a simple. I was listening to Jay Cornegay, one of the most knowledgeable bookmakers in town, and he said, hey, we've done the math on this. The odds of this are it should be about minus 200, minus 210. Okay, that's the simple math. We bring this baby down because we know the public thinks intuitively. Three straight scores, these teams... These teams are, you know, good teams. It's going to be a competitive game. I don't see three straight scores. And 
I got to be honest, when I first looked at this prop, I felt the same thing years ago. I mean, years ago. I was at three straight scores. It's the Super Bowl. But they did the math. It's minus 210 or whatever. I'm laying 175. To me, it's that simple. Now, people out there listening might say, well, Jesus, RJ, you're supposed to be smart. What, what do you? Hey, this is how you get smart, is you listen to the smartest people, you learn from them, and you follow them. And, you know, one day I'll probably be preaching, hey, this is minus 210 in three years and not even mention Jay Cornegay eh? because I forgot where I learned it. <laughs> but the fact is I'm going to know, know it now. So to me, I think there's some things that make this maybe less appealing than two other teams other than Pittsburgh and Green Bay. But first, what's your thoughts on it? Well, I mean, your n- initial knee-jerk reaction, and I got to agree, you, it, you don't think that... And the idea that you say no and you're getting plus money back, at minus 175, you're getting plus 155 back? It, it, it looks attractive because you think of Green Bay and Pittsburgh, you just think of a very competitive game. I mean, this is one of the more competitive games that we've had, you know, Super Bowl-wise. Which I came up with a stat uh, that I put out there is that it's been 28 straight years that the Super Bowl favorite has been three points or more. This is the first time in 28 years that it's been less than a field goal. So, you know, I don't have an opinion on this one. Um, I will agree, like you, my initial knee-jerk reaction would be that there wouldn't be. And here, now here is another reason that I don't like this in this game as much as I would in other games, but I still like it because of the math. The Packers actually finished the year never having trailed by more than seven points at any point. They're only the fourth team in history to do that. Last year, Pittsburgh, only one time, this is last year now, did they trail by more than seven. This year, I think it's two or three times, Mm -hmm. counting the playoffs. But still, that's a lot less than most teams. These are two of the tighter teams inclined towards tighter games. So you're going to say, tight game doesn't mean three straight scores. I agree. But here's the thing. What's a bookie's edge? When you bat, if you went up and flipped a coin on one of these, on the Super Bowl, let's say you didn't have an opinion, you flip the coin, you go up, you're laying 110, right? Yep. So they've got, their, their juice or their edge is, is, is one, you could look at it two ways, it's 20 cents, you know, the VIG is a total of 20, your side of the VIG is 10 because it's 110 to win 100. Let's just call it 20. If it's supposed to be 210 and you're only laying 170, what's your, what's your edge? 40. Mm-hmm. Right. So to me, I feel like I at least have more, probably more, but at least the same edge a bookie has from a guy flipping a coin, laying 210 or laying 170 when I'm supposed to be laying 210. So even if it's not so perfect this time, I still think there's value there. And it's a pure math play. And the lesson is follow the math. And the lesson is don't be shy about following guys that know things you don't know. Can't argue with you there. Now, there's another one. Now, this won't be one of my best bets, but and this is one that is, it takes even more balls, is you can bet will there be a, uh, a overtime. Mm-hmm. And actually, the math on that is it should be minus 1,700, that only 6% of NFL games, and this is research I actually did, mm-hmm. only 6% of NFL games end in overtime. So that should be about minus, one seven, or, uh, minus 1,700. Um, you can get this laying... Lower the eleven hundred is always out there. You can almost get this all the way towards minus a thousand. So you can lay ten to one on something you should be laying seventeen to one on. So to me, that's a, I make this play every year. The key is you got to make sure you're not playing so much that when it does happen, and it will one you know one in seventeen or you know one six percent of the time when it does happen, you can't go broke over it. 
So maybe you make it where you're winning, you know, you're winning a third of a unit or something, and you're batting three units to win a third of a unit. It, when you talk about such a overwhelming bet, I, I can't help from the horse racing field. Of they used to call them bridge jumpers when they would come in and bet a hundred thousand dollars on a stone cold favorite that just overlays the field, and they bet them to show, and but that one out of every 20 times that something goes wrong in a race and that doesn't happen and they lose that big bet, that's why they call them bridge jumpers. Makes sense, makes sense. <laughs> All right, so we've got my bet. That's my first best bet. And then we're going to be, I got, two more com- I got two more coming up and we'll be right back. For free real-time odds, lines, and scores, visit pregamelines.com. Super Bowl 45 props. This is my second best bet. Marco, this one's simple. We might do a three-minute video here. The Steelers have a world-class rush defense. Agree or not? Absolutely. The Steelers are susceptible, like anyone, to trick-running plays, though I think they do better than average against them. They're susceptible to quarterback scrambles, which Rodgers is is a great runner. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to the number one back for the other team, I don't think I've ever seen a team that, that, that does better at just shutting down that other back. Now, we got James Starks. Now, let me ask you this question. On a scale of 1 to 100, 100 being Walter Payton in his prime, 0 being a guy that just got caught, how good is this Starks in your opinion? Um, he's come out of nowhere in the last you know, few weeks for Green Come Bay. out to do what, though? Well, I mean, they, they've had, they have had success the last uh, month uh, with their running game. But is it something an average NFL back, did he, was he making runs from what you've seen where it's like, wow, that, the average back doesn't make those seven yards, but he did? I think it's a combination of the defenses when they face Green Bay, they're so concerned about the passing game that I think the running game is almost an afterthought. In the, it's almost the element of surprise. You're dropping back, backpedaling, worrying about Rodgers. So the Steelers don't do that. They don't. I the, agree the, with you. the Steelers will not allow teams to run on it, probably to their detriment sometimes, where why not give them four yards now and again mm-hmm. when you, and, and do better against those passes. But they, it seems to be uh, a sense of pride that they literally will not allow themselves to be run on, especially the number one back. So I guess my question is, how in the world is this number 50 and a half? I mean, it, it just makes no sense to me that this guy is going to have 70, 80 yards and again, it's all, you know, he only needs 51, but it just feels like when, when the Steelers only give up 63 yards a game rushing anyway, and you figure Rodgers is, you know, going to be good for one or two scrambles, 15 or 20 yards, and you figure Green Bay is going to be throwing the ball anyway, how do you get to 15 and a half here? This just seems like people are simply not understanding how good the Steeler rush D is, and they've been a little bit um, fooled by what they've seen from Starks. That's my take. Um, I can't disagree with you, and, you know, there's a lot of speculation, like you said, whether McCarthy is or is not going to try to run. Um, the Steeler defense is def- definitely different than anything they face, but in the last six weeks, the Green Bay offense has run the ball 31 or more times in five of the six games. Well, I got to tell you, is it, how many times can, and, and it, 
liking Pittsburgh, if they do run 30 times without the, a big lead, you know, it's one thing when you're, and again, they're in the lead in those games. If it's tight in the third quarter, and the token runs in the first quarter, I totally get it. But if it's tight in the third quarter, are they still going to, you know, on third and six, are they going to try to run the ball, you know, oh, second and ten? Not. Yeah. So I, I just think it's a pure value play based upon the public or the lines maker underestimating or overestimating Starks, underestimating the Steeler run D. Can't argue with you. Okay. Next up is, well, first of all, you can join Marco and I in the conversation about this prop. And then next up, I'm going to be talking about my third best bet. Super Bowl prop bets. This is my third best bet. Marco, I play this baby every year, too. First quarter, under, it wins and wins and wins. This year, it's a low number, eight and a half. I love the under. What's your first? I'm going to give you a little bit of backup on this, but what's your first thought? Well, it's in theory always makes sense because when you get to the title game, it's like a heavy, I always use the reference a heavyweight boxing match. The teams, first of all, you're playing on the grandest stage, the biggest stage of all. You're a little bit tight. Also, like a heavyweight boxing match, you don't come out throwing your haymakers generally. You you, you jab. And teams try to take a feel for each other and see what's going to work. And it makes sense. And putting the Pittsburgh Steelers in the equation, the way when they get their first drive, you know what they want to do. They want a long, methodical drive, just like they did in the Jet game, which was as textbook as you could be, a nine-minute drive. And you're right. The psychology of the Super Bowl is such that neither team wants to make the mistake that puts them in the big hole. They usually all, you know, Pittsburgh even did this in the first quarter two years ago, is fourth and one on like the one foot line. They kick the field goal, get the points. It's really just like this hyper-conservative environment. Plus, you've got the defense really jacked up. And when you have the defense jacked up, what you get is that their, their, their intensity that they can't keep for the whole game helps them get a better rush. And then you've got the, the offense a little, a little jittery. See, Think about the way that emo- intense emotions affect both sides of the ball. Defense, it makes you stronger. It makes you more aggressive, which in general is good. good. On offense, it makes you hepped up and nervous and, and, and overthrowing passes. So it really lends itself, these high, this high-pressure game, and there's no game like this, it lends itself to score or a lack of scoring in the first quarter. Now here's a stat that backs that up. In the last nine Super Bowls, only two of them have had a touchdown scored in the first quarter. All right, so seven of nine, no touchdown in the entire first quarter from either team. And with a total of eight and a half, you're going to need three field goals. And that mean, pretty much is going to mean if you don't get a touchdown, which you haven't statistically, uh, you know, seven of nine, you're going to have to have each, you know, what it's going to be, three possessions probably in the first quarter, especially if they're drives to get points. Mm-hmm. It's going to have to be field goal, field goal, field goal, which that gets you to nine, but that means, you know, no mistakes, no turnovers. Again, this is just a pure value play, but... To me, the, you, the stats back it up. I guess my question is, there'd have to be a reason not to play this. Well, there is. I mean, history's going to show you at what you've got with both strong defenses. Really, the, about the only way you lose this wager is if you've, you've got a defensive score where you've got one of those quick scores, something like that. That certainly kills you for sure. I mean, hey, listen, Green Bay could get the kickoff and drive down and score. Who knows? Pittsburgh could do a flea flicker. But mathematically, I think you got value here. History shows it, and we got two strong defenses. 
All right, it's your turn to continue the conversation, the comment section with Marco and me. And that's it. We've done six Super Bowl props. If you haven't seen all of them, you can just go to pregame.tv and check them out. See you soon. West Virginia at Villanova. You know, you know when someone's hardcore, when it's Super Bowl weekend, and you're breaking down West Virginia college basketball. But remember, that's where the money is, these, these obscure games oftentimes. So, Marco, we're breaking this down wise guy style is what we call this. We don't, we're taping this on Thursday. The number's not out yet. But like a true wise guy, you're, you're breaking the game down before the number comes out so you can react to the number. So, first question, what do you see the number coming out on this game? I see Villanova is going to be a five or five and a half point favorite is the territory I have the game. And when we handicap in advance like this, RJ, we're going to rely a lot on situational handicapping, which is a very major part of my daily handicapping. But I get to showcase that or show it off, so to speak, on when we do these games in advance. Awesome. So assuming the line at five and a half, who do you like and why? Well, I like Villanova in this game, and here's the reason. Villanova, they opened the season winning 16 of their first 17 games. Then they had a four-game stretch where they lost three out of four, and that was their most recent run. Three of those games were road games at Connecticut, at Syracuse, and at Providence. Those are three tough places to play. They did win the middle game at Syracuse, and Syracuse was in the middle of a mini four-game losing streak at the time. Villanova returned home earlier this week, Tuesday or Wednesday, and they got a win against Georgetown, but it was a, you know, a win, or excuse me, they returned home and lost to Georgetown. Then they followed that up with a win and no cover to Marquette. Now, this is the situation that I'm going to talk about. When you have a good team that Villanova is, when they have that mini slide, I look for the team to have what is called a buffer game. They had their buffer game against Marquette, where they won but just barely won. Good teams, after they finally get the monkey off their back from a mini slide and have a win but not a great performance, generally will follow that up with a major effort. And that's going to be this Saturday's game. Okay, so let's slow down. You threw a lot of data at us. You've got a good team Mm -hmm. that's having, as you say, a mini slide. And then... What I would think as a handicapper is they're as focused as possible to try to break that slide. So you're saying in this buffer game, the assumption is they're fully focused. But, go ahead. But as you know that whenever you're in a losing streak, it has like a snowball effect sometimes, how things just don't go well for you, that getting that one win, even though it wasn't an impressive win, stopped it. Things seem to be going against you. You get the win. It doesn't look great, but you got the monkey off your back. Exactly. And then instead of thinking, oh, well, we can let, let down because we finally won, it's like, no, we got lucky to win. Now it's time to really start a, a winning streak. Exactly. And because of the, the losing streak, that close win, we get value in the line because public perception is loser, not Loser, loser, loser. Oh, they got lucky. Exactly. All right, so put, it's a combination. So you have the fo- what the losing streak gives you is the focus mm-hmm. and value because exactly. the public's down. And what the win gives you is it doesn't really take away from the focus and value because it didn't look impressive. But what you have is you, you, you still have the, fo- you have the focus, but you also have a sense of, oh, we can take a breath and really perform. It, it's the momentum changer in the right direction to me. 
That's interesting. Okay. So, um, all right. So, give us your projection. My projection here is Villanova will win this game 74 65. We are going to go ahead and make it our best bet of the week. Take Villanova minus the points over West Virginia on Saturday. It's an early game Saturday, so you get to start the weekend off with a winner. I know you're a Pittsburgh guy, but did you actually live in West Virginia or live in Pennsylvania? No, I lived in uh, Pennsylvania. How close were you to the border? Um, not as close as you. <laughs> That's a good point. All right, so here, here's my question, though. You're, you're, you're really world famous on the Internet now for your Pittsburgh. What's your Pittsburgh record at this point? Uh, 16 and 4 since September. Well, Super Bowl. I'm excited to see what you, who you picked. <laughs> but, but the fact of the matter is, you focus because you spent 45 plus years back in that area. Is West Virginia sort of, sort of in that next circle of it focus? Would, it would be in the next you know, level because obviously playing in the Big East, they're going to come in and play Pitt you know, all the time. And of course, one of the biggest rivalries in my neck of the woods is the backyard brawl. So we follow West Virginia a little bit. Any closing thoughts? Good game. Excited about the weekend, and let's just keep them rolling. All right, guys, it's your turn to continue the conversation in the comments section with Marco and me, and we'll be back with even more videos for the big Super Bowl weekend.